Welcome entrepreneurs and startups to Art of the Kickstart, the podcast that every entrepreneur needs to listen to before you launch. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president and founder of Inventus Partners, the world's only turnkey product launch company that has helped over 2,000 innovations successfully raise over $400 million in capital since 2010. Each week, I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level. This show would not be possible without our main sponsor, Product Hype a 300,000 member crowdfunding media site and newsletter that's generated millions of dollars in sales for over a thousand top tier projects since 2017. Check out producthype.co to subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I am honored to be joined by Brian Abrams, founder and chief product tester of Amobilis. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. My pleasure, Roy. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. So, Brian, you're a uh, well-accomplished man, 25-year veteran. You know, you've been designing premium apparel and gear for men and women and, you know, for the elite military forces and those that respond first. So really honored to, to have you on the show and talk about your fourth Kickstarter launch that's active today. Uh, the two tactical inspired jackets that are out there, the uh, chore jacket, which I think is a personal favorite of mine because I've never seen a chore jacket before in my life, um, but also this shirt jack, which is this new puffy. And I love your tagline in terms of it being built for work, play and every day. <laughs> so super excited to have you on the show. Let's dive in in terms of talking about one, you're in the elite category just for running four Kickstarter campaigns now. But let's talk about the the campaign that's active right now in terms of the tactical chore jacket and the Prima Loft shirt jack. What was the inspiration behind those products to you know launch now your fourth campaign on Kickstarter? Well, they were a little bit different for each product. The Responder Light, when when you hear the word Responder Light, you think maybe there's a Responder Heavy. Well, we, we don't call it the Responder Heavy, but one of our previous campaigns was for the responder jacket. And the responder jacket was a very heavily tactical influence design that we launched um, for our second Kickstarter campaign. And, uh, and it's, been a, it's been our number one product for the past uh, two years. And, and we've had a lot of success with it. And people have loved the, the tactical inspiration. They have loved the, the U.S.-made uh, military mill spec fabric we used. And after thinking a lot about that product and, and getting feedback from customers, so many of them like it, but it's, it's, it's a very tactical looking jacket. So we started thinking about, we know that we know the customers love the fabric. Uh, it has, it has tremendous heritage and history behind it, uh, as it's the chosen fabric for all military to use in their garrison wear and on the battlefield. And we thought, uh, how do you know if we could keep the design aesthetic of the tactical inspiration and lighten it, meaning lighten it in terms of feature set, actual weight, and cost? It, it might make a lot of sense for us. So we started talking to customers about that. It was actually, almost right at the end of the campaign, a year and a half ago. 
and uh, had a lot of people that really thought that would be great. And, and basically with the emphasis being on a more everyday wear piece, something that can be worn, you know, as, as, as you say in our tagline for work, play, or every day. So there are, there, um, there are similarities in the materials and this design aesthetic, but uh, but there are some differences that make it more suitable for uh, a, a more versatile piece. So that's how the uh, the responder light came about, and the and the shirt jack was a little bit different. You know, we all are familiar with today's puffer jackets, and you know we see them everywhere, and. And 99% of them look exactly the same. I think if you were to remove the logos off the the jackets, you'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference from one brand to another. So we had a a vacancy in our product line for an insulated piece. And we've been talking about, you know, what would our first insulated piece look like for, for quite some time. Actually, from the very beginning of the company, we knew that it would come at some point. So we thought a lot about our our quilting lines and in the in the insulation itself and the shell material and the warmth level and how could we differentiate that jacket from today's everyday puffy so that if if you're walking down the street you could feel like you're walking in something a, a bit more distinctive uh, so that's really how our our design came about it um, it used uh, some of our design influence out there some of the things that we we seem to carry across a number of products and we infuse that into a a piece that could be could be considered a shirt jack or overshirt and um and that's how it was born well let's talk about the the birth because i definitely jumped over that i mean you've been running campaigns now for five years i think let's talk about the the start of the company like what led you to begin this product line in this company? Well, our first campaign, we started the company really with a Kickstarter launch. Um, and we did that with our with our number one selling product, our Dave Jr. duffel bag. And that was our, that's when our company launched. It was our first Kickstarter. And we chose Kickstarter to 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 basically launch the company with because we were we were trying to think about how how do we start our company? How do we get some customers? you know, on a, on a more or less bootstrap basis. How can we do that? And uh, I had been a personally a fan of Kickstarter and had uh, followed other Kickstarter campaigns and, and backed other campaigns on a personal level. So I had a pretty good feeling of how Kickstarter worked. And, and as it turned out, it was a, it was a great move for us. Everything about it was really great. And the ultimate goal was that we walked away, um, with with much more than some some production funding but we walked away with some some customers and and we did that and and um and that really helped us because then we had some people to get not only feedback on the current product we had people to talk to about the next products we had people to you know continue our marketing efforts towards and you know and i still feel the exact same way today as i did uh, the very first day when we launched our, our kickstarter so what what led you to know that Kickstarter was the right path to launch your first product? Well, I wasn't sure if it was exactly the right path, but it was seemed really logical uh, to me based on on its premise and fundamentally what Kickstarter is there to do and and how it works and 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 all that and it made us be able to launch a product much easier than I think um than we would have been able to do otherwise because 
we would have had to have all that funding in place to go into production and and product development and all the things that, that go along with it. So that really did help us. And the whole inspiration behind the company uh, really was dovetailed off my background as as 20 some years of de- strictly designing products for special operations forces of the military. And I had never sold to consumers before. It was strictly to these elite forces, tier one operators. And and when I sold my company and thought I was going to be done and, and retired, that didn't really work out. It lasted about 15 minutes. I was thinking, what you know, what what could be next? What could I do next? And I wanted to take all that all that history and all that heritage and authenticity behind us and what we learned through all those years of the you know making products for probably the hardest core users you could possibly find. And we learned a lot about making products in that way. And I, I thought, you know, wouldn't that be really cool if we can spin up a company and and provide that same those same things, those same philosophies and and do it for consumers. And I never had the experience of doing that before. You know, we'd always sold to units and teams and tactical operators. So, so that's how Amobilis was actually, uh, was actually, uh, that was the foundation of our inspiration for the brand. There was a few other things that, that, you know, tipped it over the edge to become a company, but, but that was where it started. So let's talk about that first campaign. If you can put yourself back in those shoes back in the day, the prep work leading up to that campaign and now the prep work leading up to this campaign, what's changed over the years in terms of running multiple successful Kickstarter campaigns now that you can you know, bestow onto our listeners in terms of a few nuggets that you've changed or seen with great success, continuing to raise and engage the crowd? That's really a great question. And <clears throat> it has changed a lot in even those few short years. I think that uh, you know when we when we did the first campaign, um, it was it was somewhat homegrown. We we did most of it, and you know we shot a video. We didn't shoot it on a on a on an iPhone like some of the very early Kickstarter campaigns. I think that's how a lot of the early campaigns were started, uh, with people sitting at their desk with their with their phone and and talking a bit. We did have a, a regular video, but we did a lot more of it our, ourselves. And uh, I think I think the the biggest contrast that I can see from today to our first Kickstarter is the level of of professionalism, professional marketing that today is become standard practice versus even then. And and there's there's many as you know there's there's certainly many. The, the success of the Kickstarter platform has spawned countless people with so-called expertises, whether they be in whether they be in marketing or graphic design or video or, or you know any any of those fields. And and I really feel that today the the um, the professionalism that has developed uh, there are so you know a number of companies that specialize in Kickstarter. In their in their marketing and have that in house and that's been a that's been a big difference. Today's campaign, when you look at it, it, and if you were to search back on the old ones, they just look much more polished and pro 
than the early campaigns. And I think because so many of them have professional marketing and graphic design assistants. Absolutely. So, I mean, you've been working with us here at Inventus Partners for a while now. What were some of those considerations when you were choosing an agency to partner with? Yeah, another good question. And I, I talked to a number of agencies. You know, when you when you run a successful Kickstarter, you get bombarded with people who are the best at everything. <laughs> you know, every every day you're getting you're getting digital marketers and everybody who can tell you how you can convert this and sell that and blow up this and and when you distill that all down, I don't I don't I think there's there's a handful of companies that really seem to stand above the rest. And I spoke to those companies, uh, all of them, you know, we've we've had a little experience with a few and uh, and we did a little bit of work with Adventus on one of the campaigns and I and I had a really good feeling about it. It was um it was it was comfortable. They were they were really knowledgeable. They helped me in areas that I certainly didn't know. And I and I really felt a uh, um, and I and I and I really feel this now with the last month or so of working with Inventus. You know, I feel a strong partnership commitment and and trust. Most importantly, a trust factor that I know they've got my back. They've got they've got stuff handled, and I don't have. I only have so much bandwidth. And when you're running a campaign, if you are participating in all the questions and answers and all that, which I do myself. It's, it's hard to do everything. And knowing you have somebody there that is taking care of all the dotting all the I's and crossing the T's and a lot of the details, and there's probably more of that today than there was four or five years ago, because there's other opportunities. There's cross-promotional opportunities, and there's third-party promotion, and there's there's media and PR, and there's all these things. And it's very difficult for one person to you know, to keep a pulse on all that. So having a partner that, you know, that is there, you know, dialing things in for you, everything still crosses your desk and in, 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 it's still your voice and your approval, but a lot of legwork is done. So there's no question having a, a, a quality partner like Inventus is key and I would never consider it any other way. I appreciate that. We, is it fair to say we've got your six? I'd say it's very fair to say that. As a matter of fact, I was a couple minutes late to the, to the phone call today because uh, one of the people at Venice was was screaming for an approval on something before it published today. So they are on it. Sometimes, Beautiful. sometimes like intensely on it, like they are on it and want they want that response right now because they they have a very uh, they have a, a very strict uh, schedule and template that they they follow for success. Absolutely. So you've run three, now four successful Kickstarter campaigns. You've got thousands of happy customers from all over the world using your apparel and gear. How have you gone about consistently engaging that community, that crowd, right? Your tribe in terms of coming up with new products and actively engaging them to, to make whatever the, you know, the newest product that they're demanding. Well, as you probably know, we're, we're not, um, I like to think there are two kinds of brands. There's a Kickstarter brand, and then there's then then there's a non-Kickstarter brand. And although we started on Kickstarter, we quickly became a brand. You know, we have our you know we have our own e-commerce, and we have an Amazon store. 
And that first campaign is what, a, what, a, what enabled that to happen. And we continue to design and develop products. It's an ongoing process. And we've continued to build our non-Kickstarter business. And, and for us, our, our uh, thought process and our distribution model is to have a more or less direct-to-consumer directive and that's accomplished by, as I said, our e-commerce store and Amazon. And then in addition to that, we'd like to see uh, one Kickstarter, maybe, you know, maybe one and a half or, you know, somewhere, you know, like a crossover almost to a second. But I think I would like to continue to have a, at least one Kickstarter per year because it does it, it does some different things. It allows you to launch a product on a on a more or less a pre-order basis that gives you insight and visibility into your production and how that may look because production is is a whole separate science and quite challenging um, particularly in these times. So that that it does that and as I mentioned earlier what what we really love about is is in a short, fairly short period of time, 30, 45 days, something like that, we are able to add a bunch of new customers into our portfolio to learn from, to market to, and to vet new products and in, in designs. And for us, in our particular company, we have a very high repeat customer buy rate. And and we know that if we gain a customer wherever they come from, whether whether they discover us organically or through some ad we're running on Facebook, we know that uh, beyond Kickstarter, we know they're going to get a product that is high quality, premium level, and that you know presumably they're going to really love, and they will be back for more. And that's proved out campaign after campaign, and, and I'm certain it will do the same on this campaign. So in talking about campaigns, you've run several international crowdfunding campaigns. Talk a little bit about the experience there uh, to the entrepreneurs and startups listening. Yeah, you know, I didn't really know much about international crowdfunding when we did our first campaign. I didn't I don't think I knew anything about it at the time, but through through the last few years I've I've become a fan of of crowdfunding and started being curious what what else may be available out there in the world and and what other countries may may offer those and 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 if so which ones seem to be more in line with with the way we like to do things and 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 our products and such so we did discover in asia um some thriving uh, international opportunities with crowdfunding on a couple of different platforms and we have run several campaigns internationally, all of which were successful. And it gave us further insight into that because, because our, our Kickstarter campaigns is, has customers from all over the world. And although the majority of them are from the U.S., we ship a lot of products um, to Asia and we make a bunch of our products in Asia. So it started to seem to be a a really good opportunity if we were building product in, if we we're going to be doing a production run of a product in Asia, while the product is still sitting there in our factory before we ship it over to the U.S., maybe we can have an outlet of, of fulfillment uh, in Asia with our product being close so it's more efficient and effective and faster to get into the customer's hands. So at first, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was when we were thinking about okay, we're going to make products in Asia, and and how do we how do we increase our 
customer base there so we can ship some of those products. And we thought about a Amazon store in Japan, and we thought about a few different things. We thought about, you know, maybe we can connect with a distributor in Asia, an importer. And we've talked, we've done, we've looked at all those things. And, uh, and that's in the uh, crowdfunding was just one of those opportunities. And in that same feeling we had about our first Kickstarter here, for those same reasons, we felt it was a good path for us there. And, and we will continue to do some other ones when we have the right product in Asia again. I'm, I'm certain we will run, you know, more campaigns there. So it's been, it's actually worked really well, smooth. There has been no, no problems, no hiccups, no unexpected issues. Um, it actually very similar to the process of Kickstarter felt very similar. Nice. Since you've run four campaigns, I know you've got a breadth of experience shipping internationally and all over the world. Any insights you can share with our audience? Because shipping always typically seems to be an afterthought, especially for the first time campaign runner. But there's definitely a lot of attention that needs to be paid to it. Any nuggets of wisdom there you want to share? I think shipping is gigantic. And I, and, and I, think, I think it's really a key component of your campaign. Um, on the front end and making sure, as you said, um, to, to fully understand it, because uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this a lot. Uh, many campaigns, particularly on smaller companies that aren't, uh, that aren't filled with a lot of uh, resources behind them, I think their campaign could easily be, be made or broke in the fulfillment process. Like like everything, the crowdfunding has uh, there have become there have become fulfillment companies, shipping companies that have focused and 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 uh, really looked at crowdfunding is is a uh, is an important component of their business. So there are a number of companies out there that are very familiar with the crowdfunding process. But like like campaigns in general, like Kickstarter in general, we saw last year things change just dramatically because of the pandemic and and it's still with us shipping has become much more difficult there's a lot less shipping going on so the uh the positioning in in these uh in, whether it be by ocean on a vessel or on an aircraft has become more difficult and uh, because there is less of them moving and, and with that the prices have soared and that has been been challenging, and it, regardless of whether you're on a Kickstarter campaign or in any other kind of business, it, it's it affects you. So, to minimize that and to think, well, shipping, you know, is probably just a couple of bucks a, a piece. You know, I would really encourage any creator, uh, anybody considering crowdfunding at all, to to really dive very deeply into that and and you know do the best they can to get accurate information. Absolutely. Well, Brian, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? I am. I'm fired up and ready. Let's do this. So uh, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? By college education, I'm an accountant. And <laughs> and somehow after I graduated college, I never quite felt that was going to be my uh, the right path. I'm not even today quite sure how, how I wound up in that. So actually, other than two years in my entire career, I've never worked for anybody. I've always found my way from the time I was 21 after I got out of college 
and was in a business from the first day. The day after I graduated college on a Saturday, on a Monday, I started a business with uh, with somebody. So I and and other than a, a two year span where I worked for a company, I've never I've never worked for anybody. So it's it's just um, it's just all I've ever known. Nice. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to go on a hike with? Steve Jobs. Nice. What uh, what would have been your first question for him? How does he get? How did he get? everybody to drink the Kool-Aid. Interesting. That's a good one. What, uh, what loved, are your, I loved top- his, I loved, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I loved his marketing genius. I, 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 I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, in terms of marketing genius, I'll follow up on that. What do you think are the top three skills that every entrepreneur needs to be successful? Tenacity, patience, and tenacity. I love it. Uh, any books you'd recommend to our listeners? I've read a, I've read a couple books that I really like. One of them was a, a um, one by Steve Jobs that I really enjoyed, and another one is by a, a Seattle executive. Um, I, I, I actually I keep it on the corner of my desk. It's almost like a something I refer to a lot. It's uh, it's called Ironclad Branding. And it's by a woman who's a uh, who's a branding genius here in Seattle, and uh, and I think I think it's one thing to start a company, and and it's very difficult when you start to think about long range, you know, three four years down the road. But I would I would encourage people to start a company to be able to think about that, and and you know, if you could fast forward a couple of years, what what do you want your company to look like? How do you want it to be presented? How do you want customers to to see it and feel it? So, I think I think branding is a is a real interesting topic for an entrepreneur. Something it's and it goes and extends just so far beyond a logo design. Oh, absolutely! All right, Brian. Last question in the rapid fire. And since you've run four campaigns successfully, now really interested to hear your take on what does the future of crowdfunding look like? Boy, isn't that a million dollar question? Um, I think the future of crowdfunding it looks like it's 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 really solid. I, I think I think uh, still many new companies, as well as companies like me who have been there before, continue to patronize uh, crowdfunding. I think the big challenge for success today certainly is uh, a great product. It's still no matter what, no matter who your marketing teams are, no matter how great your video is, no matter how good your Facebook ads are or whatever. I think at the end of the day, it still is about the product and does that product resonate. But the challenge today is, you know, if, if you can, is, is to have proper funding behind you because Kickstarter, going to crowdfunding is not a cheap endeavor. Indeed, it's not. Uh, well, great insights there, Brian. Uh, this is your uh- opportunity to give the audience your pitch. Tell them what you're all about, where you should go, and why people should check you out. Yeah, we would love for people to visit our website at amobilisgear.com. We make some really cool products, super emphasis on premium level, a lot of uh, tactical design inspiration behind it, things that give you the opportunity to look and feel different than the status quo. And uh, and we feel strongly that uh, we have products uh, both on the gear side and the apparel side that are well suited for work, play, and your everyday. So check us out, take a look, and um, 
if you have any questions, uh, shoot, shoot them on over. We'd, we'd love to um, talk to you. Awesome. Well, audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to all the campaigns and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Hype. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Roy, thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Indeed. Thanks for tuning in to another amazing episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, show us some love by giving us a great rating on your favorite listening station. And of course, make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the previous episodes. And if you need some help, that's what we're here for. Make sure to send me an email to info at artofthekickstart.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.